One year when I was in college, I came home for spring break only to be welcomed to my hometown by an evening where seven tornadoes, count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven tornadoes hit Huntsville, Alabama in the same night. It was an amazing evening. As the city began to recover and the city was traumatized by everything that had happened, it seemed that everybody in Huntsville bought a storm shelter. Uh, there were, there were backhoes up and down every street, digging holes in grounds, uh, putting concrete blocks in. Everybody was now having tornado drills of how you get into the storm shelter when the storm comes. And after that evening, anytime the skies clouded up, everybody ran to the storm shelter. Before, nobody would think too much about it. A storm's a storm. Now, Everybody is a tornado expert, and we knew exactly when to head for the storm shelter. Paul is writing a letter to encourage Timothy to kind of push him out into the ministry, knowing how tough that ministry would be. And Paul tells Timothy, if you're going to survive this, if you're going to thrive in it, then you better be inside. Inside what? Well, let's let Paul explain. Stand with me, even if you're at home, and let's read the scriptures together. Second chapter of Second Timothy, verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Sharing the sufferings as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the uh, concerns of a civilian life, but he seeks only to please the commanding officer. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Consider what I say, and the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David, according to my gospel, which I suffer to the point of being bound like a criminal. But the word of God, the word of God is not bound. That is why I endure all the things that I do for the elect, so that they may also obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. But if we deny him, he will deny us also. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. If we are faithful, faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it. Believe it and live. Let's pray together. It was tough days for Paul. It was tough days for Timothy, and it is tough days for us. So may what Paul knew that held him together in tough times, what he passed on to Timothy that held him together in tough times, be the word that now comes to us 
that holds us together in these tough times. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Again, this is not a letter that you would expect from a man who is in prison writing to a pastor of a very tough church that was in Ephesus. Uh, there are a lot of things in this letter that kind of catch us off guard. Uh, for instance, we've talked about Paul's joy in the writing and, and how excited he was about the gospel, how he was able to endure what he endured for the sake of being able to preach that gospel, which for Paul made all the difference in the world. Now he is writing Timothy. And he's in writing to encourage Timothy to kind of push him out into the front lines of ministry to make sure that Timothy is strong enough to handle the days that are ahead. Because as Paul would tell him, tough times are coming. Mm, tough times are here. In fact, tough times are always here. Regardless of the generation, regardless of the year, there's always some challenge that is pushing us to the edge of our faith that makes us want to withdraw a little bit, be ashamed of the gospel, hold back a little bit. So Paul writes to Timothy. He writes him, now let's remember where this letter is picking up. He writes him telling about two people who betrayed him and one man, Onesiphorus, who sought him out in Rome and who ministered to him. And he ends this with this sentence. You know how Onesiphorus ministered in Ephesus. You know how he ministered in Ephesus, and I'm looking for you to minister in the same way. Therefore, I want you, listen to this, I want you to be strong in grace. What? Does that strike you as a little odd? How are you strong in grace? Now, if I ask you about, say, the meanings of certain words, uh, does grace have a strong meaning for you? Uh, if someone is gracious, are they strong? Probably not. See, grace is what we do when we give in. Uh, when someone is being rude to us and we're gracious, we don't fight back. We we give in. If someone is gracious in their manners, we defer to the other person. For us, grace is synonymous, is synonymous with giving up. It's weak. Paul does this every now and then. He'll put, he'll put a weak verb, uh, a weak noun in, in, a, in a sentence that doesn't make sense. For instance, in Philippians, he says, the peace of God will guard your heart. Huh? Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be sleeping in enemy territory and I'm going to be posting guards on the perimeter, I don't want peace on the perimeter. I want big dudes, big dudes, big guns, and I want them to have bad attitudes. Not as a Christian. It's the peace that guards you. It is the shalom of God that guards you, the completeness, so that no matter where you are and no matter what you're into, no matter what threatens you, it has to get through the peace of God to get to you. So no matter what the enemy brings to you against you, God brings it to you in peace. Now, do you know of anybody who wants to be as strong as grace? 
Does that make any sense to you? Have you been to the gym and noticed anybody posing in front of the mirror? <laughs> and you ask him, hey, bud, what are your goals? I want to be as strong as Grace. Look at, these, look at these arms, man. I want them to look like Grace's arms look. Nobody does that. But what is it about Grace that Paul sees as strong? We define grace as unmerited favor. It is the ability of God to love us anyway. Uh, that even though we are sinners, even though we have messed up, even though we continue to mess up, God in his mercy and grace loves us. That's grace. He loves us even when we don't deserve it. But have you ever sat down and, th and, and, uh, and really thought about what loving us does, what it means? You know a little bit about it because you have relationship with friends who are quirky. Uh, you have relationship with people who have those little odd habits. And you say, well, you have to love the whole package, don't you? You have to love everything about them. And you have to love even that weird side of them or that quirky side of it. Jesus loves us so much that when he comes into our lives, Pouring his love into us, he captures all of us. He scoops up all of us, all of our brokenness, all of our sin, all of our woundedness, all of our mistakes and failures. Jesus scoops up all of that. He doesn't leave any of it behind. Why? Because he doesn't want the enemy to be able to say that he lost part of you, that he couldn't save all of you. He redeems everything about you even your failures and mistakes. That's how strong his grace is. Now, do you remember when Jesus cleansed the temple? Do you remember that story? Jesus goes into Jerusalem. He sees the the merchants who were selling their wares, who were exchanging coins for the temple coins so he could pay the temple tax. They're selling uh, the approved sacrifices, and it's a racket, and it's, it's so marked up and crooked that a lot of people can't afford to worship. And this infuriates Jesus, and he turns over the table, and he scatters the animals. And you say, ah, oh, this is Jesus making a way for everybody to get to God, and that's true. But have you ever noticed in that story that nobody challenged Jesus? Let me tell you, if I am a guy and I'm sitting there at my little table and I've got my coins stacked up and I've got my doves all in their cages and I've got my approved sheep standing here waiting to be sold and Jesus walks in and flips my table over, now Jesus and I are going to have a conversation. Jesus is going to help me get my table put back up. But nobody says that to Jesus. Nobody says, hey, buddy, what are you doing? Nobody. What was it about Jesus that when he flipped the table, everybody stood up and go, oh, it's okay, Jesus, I got it. I'll clean this up. What was it about Jesus that made nobody challenge him? That is grace. That is how strong grace is. 
Jesus makes a way for all of us to get to the Father, and nobody there challenges him. Paul says, I want you strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus. And what I want you to do, I want you to pour that grace that's being poured into you. I want you to pour it into the lives of others. Why? Because they are broken. They are lost. They are confused. They are wounded. And you love them the same way that Jesus Christ loves you. You love them in all their brokenness. You love them in all their woundedness until they can find their way and find their story and teach other people the way I've poured my life into you. You pour your life into them. Now understand, that is not easy. There is suffering. Now, let's understand, this is not suffering for suffering's sake. It's suffering for a point. It's suffering to accomplish something. You've heard it all the time, right? No pain, no gain. If you're going to accomplish something that is worthwhile, then it takes something out of you. You have to make some kind of sacrifice. You see the musicians play, and you secretly say to yourself, man, I would give my life to play like they do. Well, you want to be honest with you? These musicians have given their lives. While you and I were watching TV or watching cat videos on Facebook, these guys were playing their instruments. That's why they can play, and we can't. The suffering happens. You embrace it. You look forward to it. You look for it because you know when you are in this moment of suffering, you are on the right track. You are doing the right thing. When your muscles begin to hurt in the gym, yeah, you're about doing it right. I want you to endure like a soldier whose only thought is to please the commanding officer. That's it. The rest of the world can go this way. The rest of the world can go that way. It doesn't matter. The only thing the soldier wants is to please the commanding officer to fulfill his or her mission. That's it. To be able to report back, mission accomplished. That's it. I want you to be like an athlete, Paul says, that the only thing that matters to you is winning the gold medal and doing it within the rules. Discipline yourself. Sacrifice so that you're able to win when the race is run. To be patient like a farmer, being able to look at your field and just seeing dirt, but trusting you have planted good seed, and good seed will do what good seeds do. They produce a good crop. Well, how do you do that? You remember Jesus. You remember him raised from the dead. You remember him, a descendant of David. Paul gives shorthand for the whole gospel. I want you to remember the whole gospel. And this is the reason I'm in jail, he said. It's the reason I'm enduring. It's the reason I've been bound up. But the word of God's not bound up. Uh-uh. Even when you put the prisoner in jail, the message has a way of getting out. So Paul tells Timothy, this is what I want for you. You Remember Jesus, the salvation we have in him. Be strong in the grace that is in him, the salvation that is in him. And to make his point, Paul quotes a hymn. 
It's, it's, it's a favorite trick of preachers. When we come to the great moment, it's like the old song says. What follows is the text of an early Christian hymn. If we follow him, if we die for him, we'll live with him. If we follow him, if we endure, we'll reign with him. If we deny him, he'll deny us. Even when we are faithless, he'll be faithful because he can't deny himself. Now, what does that mean? Jesus can't deny himself. He cannot deny who he is. And when you become a follower of Christ, your life is in him. It is in him, Paul says in Acts 17, in him that we live and move and have our being. In him. In him, he writes in Colossians, God has seen fit for everything to be held together in him. Christians are those who find our life in Christ. Now, there's another great church phrase, right? In Christ. We live in Christ. We have our being in Christ. What does that mean? And how do you do it? Paul is telling Timothy, you're not going to make it unless you are in Christ. You know, when the storm comes, you get in the storm shelter. If you're going to live in this world, you'd better live it in Christ. How in the world do you do that? What does that mean? Here's what it means. I'm going to study God's Word. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to study it. Uh, the phrases that are used for studying and meditation of the Scripture is chew slowly. Uh, it's the idea of a cow sitting out in the pasture chewing its cud. That's the idea. I'm going to read the passages of Scripture that describe Jesus, that have him in conversations, and I'm going to chew on them. They're going to be the words I think about while I'm stopped at the red light. Words that I think about while I'm on my walk every morning. I, these are the things I think about all of the time. I'm going to be in prayer with him. And it's going to be more than just now I lay me down to sleep. I'm going to spend a significant amount of time in his presence talking about what matters, listening to what matters. So much so that my thoughts are his thoughts. His thoughts become my thoughts. His desires become my desires. His ways become my ways. So the only thing that matters to me is how close I can be with Jesus. That's all that matters. How close I can stay to Jesus. Everything else is detailed. So when I'm close to Jesus, yes, the world tries to knock you off, tries to pull you away, tries to distract you. But I'm so focused on Jesus, I don't even ignore, I, I don't even see these things. I ignore them. I train my eye and I train my heart to only want Jesus. So everything else fades away. Everything else drops out of my vision. So all that I see is him. All I want to know is him. So it becomes what I talk about, who I talk about, it becomes what matters to me. 
You want to talk about a gospel conversation? When you're staying that close to Jesus, it's the only kind of conversation you have. Now, let's cut to the chase. You're going to tell me, ah, Mike, that sounds good. I love that. But I don't have time. Baloney. I'm going to call you out. You do have time. You just don't make time for this. We've done enough studies now, and what we're finding out is appalling. Most of you will spend more time on Facebook than you do in God's Word. Most of you will spend more time on Instagram or some other social media platform than you will in God's Word. Most of you will spend more time watching television than you do studying God's Word. You'll spend more time watching a news program than you do studying God's Word. And you wonder why your life isn't strong. You wonder when the storms come, you can't hold on, or why you lose faith. It's because you are not focused and strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You're distracted by things that don't matter. Living your life with things that don't matter. And when you stand before Christ, you'll have a heart full of things. that do not matter. So what do you do? You get strong in the grace. How does that happen? It's not rocket science, folks. You're going to study the Word, not read it. You're going to study it. You're going to get with a handful of other people who are as serious about following Christ as you are. And you're going to get there and meet with those brothers and sisters for the same reason you have a workout buddy. One, because you know somebody's waiting on you at the gym. Two, they're going to hold you accountable to your behavior outside the gym. They're going to make you work hard while you're in the gym. Same thing. You're going to have a spiritual workout, buddy. You're going to have a spiritual group that you meet with to work out. You're going to have people who know you enough so they can ask you, how are you? And when you say, fine, they'll challenge it and say, listen, really, are you telling us the truth? And in that, I'm going to find a way where I can serve Jesus in his redemptive plan of calling the world back to himself. It may be tutoring a child. It may teach, be teaching a Bible study class. It may be being a greeter here. There's all kind of ways for you to do what you're good at doing. It may be that you design a ministry that feeds the hungry or helps men coming out of prison find a new life. You're going to get serious about God's Word. Turn off all of these other distractions. You're going to get in a group, find a group of buddies who are as serious as you are. And you're going to find a little way to be part of God's redemptive work. Be strong in the grace. 
that is in Christ Jesus. The storm is here. You better get inside. Inside Jesus Christ, for it is in him and in him alone where we live and move and have our being. Let's pray together. Focus our attention that our eyes only see you, our hearts only desire you. And in doing that, find healing for our lives and the lives of our families and the lives of our community and the lives of our nation. And we pray this in your name. I've got just a few minutes before we go. Here's what I want you to do. One, I want you to get serious about Bible study, not Bible reading, Bible study. Get you a Bible you're comfortable with. If you're not, email me. Let me help you find one. You get with a group of brothers and sisters who are serious about studying the Scripture as you are. If you can't find a group, email me. Let us know. We'll help you find that group. And we'll help you find a place where you can be part of what God's Redeeming work is up to around us here at Middle Tennessee. You have the time. Question is, do you have the desire? Jesus once told somebody, come follow me. And he said, listen, I would, but I have to go follow, uh, bury my mother and, 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 and father. Jesus said, then don't bother. You see, here's a hard truth. The word but erases everything in front of it. So if you're saying I'm following Jesus but then you're really not following Jesus. Get in the Word. Get so close to Him, His thoughts become your thoughts. His desires become yours. Get with a group of other believers who are as serious as in this study as you are. And then find a way to be part of what God's redemptive work. Thanks for being with us, and I'll see you next time.